Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Well, good morning again. My name is Evan, uh, the senior pastor here, and welcome on this Pentecost Sunday. And welcome to everybody engaging, watching online as well. Thank you for worshiping with us. I hope that you are also participating in the wind exercise wherever you are. That was awesome. I want to read from Psalm 104, verses 24 through 35. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is a sea, wide and great. Creeping things, innumerable are there. Living things, both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look to you, to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles? Who touches the mountains and they smoke? I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to Him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In Downingtown, close to where Brittany and I live, there is a park. And it's got great places to walk. We go there with the kids all the time. But there is a big sign by the playground that says, Playground Closed. And if you have children, this is one of the worst signs that you can see, right? Because they can't read the sign. They just see the playground. The sign has varying degrees of success in preventing children from using the playground equipment. But it's closed because there is nothing on the ground, that kind of cushiony substance, so if they fall, they don't get hurt. I understand that there was some damage done to it. And the other day, I was at that park uh, with my kids, and the fire department was there, which was very exciting, especially for those who are very into big, loud trucks. And they had their fire hose out, and they were washing that equipment, I hope, so that it will one day reopen. But I was thinking about that playground closed sign, what it's like to see that sign. And, you know, I think sometimes for the way that we think about life and the world and even the church, we might imagine some kind of sign saying, no playing here, (laughs) no more playing. Perhaps play became no longer an option for us at some point. Like it does for kids who have to grow up too fast because of instability or trauma. Like it does for many of us. Feel like we're too old for childish things or too old for fun or too jaded by the challenges of life. 
Today, on Pentecost Sunday, I want to remind you that you have been given a gift. A gift to play, to enjoy, to live, to embrace the fullness of life, the passions and the gifting God has given you, not just to achieve, but to enjoy, to be, and to praise to open up the playground, to remember joy, a joy that flows from a life steeped in meaning and passion and praises to God, a life full of life. Don't you want a life full of life? So today we read from this psalm that is regularly read on Pentecost Sunday. You can tell that it's Pentecost from the beautiful red here, the videos that we've watched, the fire on the screen. We celebrate this birthday of the church. On Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, the Jewish celebration, people had gathered like they did in Jerusalem 50 days after the Passover. They were there to celebrate this festival of first harvest, the first fruits. They celebrate also the law being given to Moses those 50 days after the escape from slavery and exodus. And the Pentecost after the first Easter, Jesus' followers are there in the city. It's been 50 days. 50 days since Jesus rose from the grave on Easter. And it's been 10 days since Jesus ascended into heaven. Last week we talked about the ascension. It's been 10 days now for these followers. And they are remembering what Jesus said before he left them. In Acts 1, 7 and 8, Jesus said, It's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they are waiting to receive power and they are waiting for this assignment of where they might go, what they might do. They've been waiting for 10 days, probably unsure about what was next, what the whole witnessing thing might look like, what kind of power they will have. Growing up as an army brat, I know what it's like to know that it's time to move and not know where is next. You look at the calendar, you know you're likely about to get some paperwork that will say where you're going to uproot your life and be. Maybe it will be New York or Korea or El Paso or Germany or Hawaii. We never got Hawaii. I'm still kind of bitter about that. They're waiting. What will the power look like? What life is coming? How will we be able to go to the ends of the earth? And so the disciples, like we saw in the video, were all together and they felt this rush of wind that you acted out so beautifully. And then divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and they could speak in all of the languages of all of the pilgrims who had come from all around the world. Acts 2, 9 through 12 tells us about this. It says Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, 
We hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? So Peter, the apostle, boldly says to them, this is what God has said God would do through the prophet Joel, that the Holy Spirit would come pour out on everybody, regardless of age or gender or ethnicity, the full spectrum of humanity. The Spirit would fill them. And since Pentecost, Christians have wondered and argued and wrestled over and split churches over what it means to receive this Holy Spirit. Do we have it? What does it look like? How do we access it? How do we respond? So today we look to this Psalm 104 and see in it glimpses of God's Spirit at work and how we might respond to the Spirit. So I want to read again Psalm 104, this time just verses 24 through 26. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is a sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there. Living both things small and great. And there go the ships. Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. Similarly to the song we sing about all creatures of our God and King, the psalmist wants us to see the vastness of creation and the God who made it all. Here the psalmist focuses on the sea, the mystery in there. In the ancient world, the Hebrew people, they saw the sea as a symbol of chaos and disorder, of unknowing and uncertainty, of fear. In fact, this mythic creature, the Leviathan, this kind of creature that must be in the sea and might get us, right? If you, you can imagine those kind of old-timey maps that say, here's the end of the world and there be monsters here, right? That's kind of the idea. We'll get out there and what is out there, it'll get us. They talk about the ships going out to sea where their chief concern would be simply to survive. when all of our life is simply just trying to survive. How does that go? It's exhausting. It saps our very life, doesn't it? Even in our world, as we learn more about the universe and the vastness of it, we may think, this is just chaos. <laughs> but the psalmist in poetry and theology helps us to see that even in what looks like chaos, God is moving. That even the Leviathan. In fact, the text said, the Leviathan that you formed to sport in the sea, to play, you could translate that word, in the sea. And what we see as chaos, we are given a new vision of a God who is in control of all. The playground is open. And we are invited to partake, participate, embrace, enjoy the creation that God has given us. Full life is not in destructive chaos and fear, but in the order and the love of God 
who's been at work since all of creation. The text says, in wisdom you made them all. That word wisdom in the Old Testament is often tied to the idea of the Holy Spirit. God's very Spirit since the beginning, moving, blowing, creating. Life is not just a struggle to survive. In life, we can soar to heights of compassion and love and hope and purpose. We find a God who meets us with our deepest desires for meaning and value, who created us for full life, even created us to play. God breathed it all, all of creation and breathed in us. The playground is open. And so one way that we partner with the Spirit in the world is the Spirit fills us for recreation. So the golfers in the room are, I was expecting amens here from my golfers to say, yes, see, God said we could do it. Or maybe like a golf clap. I'm not sure how you do it. But it's true. God has created us not just to survive, but to see the beauty of the world. To use the gifts and the passions that we've been given, the things that inspire us to embrace them to enjoy God's love and order and God's creation, to not have to be afraid all the time, but to play. But let me read more. Psalm 104, verses 27 through 30. These all look to you, these creatures. You give them food in their due season. And when you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they're filled with good things. When you hide your face, they're dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. And when you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. So again, the psalmist is showing how all life comes from God. That word spirit, we could translate as breath very much the same way. God's creative breath that when God speaks, God gives life. But notice here that this is not just a retelling of the creation account in Genesis, where yes, God speaks and it happens. God breathes God's life in humanity and it lives, but it doesn't stop there. Verse 30 tells us, yes, they are created in your spirit and you renew the face of the ground. And here we get a glimpse of what God is all about, not just creation, but recreation renewing the face of the ground, renewing us. This is what happens on that first Pentecost. As these disciples emerge, they're all together, and suddenly they are renewed with purpose and power and gifts. They will go and birth the church. The renewal of the Spirit brings us to this true existence that we are created for, to participate in what God is doing. We are God's creation as recipients of the Holy Spirit, as followers of Jesus. We are God's creation twice over. God creates and God recreates. God is always recreating. 
creating. Perhaps you need to hear that today. You feel like God can't do a new thing in you, that God has given up, that there is no hope. God continues to renew the ground. Creation happened. The Creator gives life by the Spirit with personal impact. And it also says that God renews the ground. So here we see this image of God recreating the very environment, the structure, the venue for all of us. If you can't tell, the psalmist cares deeply about creation. God cares deeply about creation and our world and desires to renew it. Here in Christianity in the United States, we tend to fall into two camps when it comes to talking about what the Spirit is supposed to be doing. Splitting into two opposing groups is kind of the American way, right? We like to do that. More conservative Christians tend to think that the life of faith in the Spirit is something that's, that's only incredibly personal. It focuses on personal transformation and the defeat of personal sin. These are God's deeds of power. Heart issue. More progressive Christians tend to think about the life of the Spirit as, as the works of God overcoming systemic sin, brokenness in society, live that out through charity and advocacy, that, that these are the works of God in the world, these works of justice. When we divide the camps, we've missed it. As we find here, God is at work in all of creation, sending the Spirit to the creations and also to the ground, renewing all things. This is what we find Pentecost, God at work, breathing God's spirit into all and recreating them for new work, but also boundary-breaking work, recreating the very grounds. And one day, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This earth remade and whole, the spirit is at work in our lives and in the world, and we are invited to participate and care. The Spirit has fills us for recreation. The Spirit fills us for recreation. See, if we only focus on our personal spirituality, we will neglect the world that God loves. And if we only focus on actions we can do for the world, we will neglect the character transformation that confronts real evil within each of us. We must do both and the Spirit renews. Jesus says you must be born again. First of water, then of Spirit. One writer says Pentecost represents an outpouring, a filling up of human lives with vibrant, hope-giving wisdom, bringing presence that changes our lives with the utter assurance that while we have not earned such a gift, we are nonetheless recipients of the Spirit, somehow connected with the author of that gift, God, creator, recreator of the universe. We are made one with a reality bigger than ourselves, and we are given a charge to keep, to care for, do things for ourselves and the world, not only with our words 
but in the ways that we live. Let me read the rest of the psalm. This is verse 31. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles? Who touches the mountains and they smoke? I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth. Let the wicked be no more. And bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. I'll admit when reading this psalm, I thought, I don't know if I want to keep verse 35 in there. Maybe we could just not do that one um, and not have to deal with let sinners be consumed from the earth. In fact, when we read that, we might be distracted by what com- from what comes before. But, so let's first deal with verse 35. See, the psalmist is praying this prayer of hope that that those who do evil and exploit and take advantage of would be no more. This is a prayer for justice. It is a prayer that is answered in what God will do. It is answered at the cross when Jesus conquers sin, death, and suffering. It is answered with that new heaven and new earth where there is no more pain or exploitation. It is a prayer for hope of that day to come. But I want us also to see how the psalmist responds to these visions of God's work in creation. How the psalmist responds to the Spirit active in creation and in life. It says in verse 33, I will sing. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have being. That word being could also be my very life breath. As long as I have breath, I will praise the Lord giver of breath. May my meditation be pleasing to Him. I rejoice in the Lord. How do we respond to this Spirit that fills us to recreate and recreate? We praise. We rejoice. We meditate, just like what comes from the lips of those followers on the day of Pentecost. They declare the works of God. They respond to God and they play. They're so filled with power and exuberant joy that some people think that they are having some kind of drunken party at nine in the morning. See, they've been so loved and rescued and transformed by Jesus the one who gives life and renews all things that they, they declare, they proclaim. And somehow the God who creates by God's very breath and voice, when they participate and use their own breath and voice to speak and declare, they then participate in what God is doing in the world by their breath and their praises and their voice. Lives transformed. A worship song says that it's your breath in my lungs, so I pour out my praise. They praise. These followers then will scatter all over the globe, be the early church, and renewal the ground that continues through today. They join in with the work that God has called them to do for transformation internally, but then also that they might go and do the external work of the one who is renewing all things, and they do it with joy. The Spirit fills us for co-creation. 
Do you want to live a life full of life? On Thursday this week, we had left the front door open and just had the screen door there, and my son has figured out how to open the screen door, and so he opened that door and made a run for it for the van. He's almost two, and he wanted to go for a ride. I imagine he was most likely hoping that we would go to his favorite place, one of the words he loves to say, playground. Don't we all long to play? To use our gifts and our lives in ways that are fulfilling and exhilarating. To be unleashed on the world. To get past that screen door. (laughs) To have a full life. It is yours. It's a gift from God. God's very life-giving breath is yours. It's within you now. It is stirring you to respond personally and publicly in community, in baptism or activism or praise. That's what we see in Acts and in Psalms. When the Spirit catches us, surprises us, renews us, we pray, we praise, we celebrate. So what else can we do? So this week I want to challenge you to, to play some this week. I want you to play, enjoy creation, something God has made you to care about. The picnic next Sunday is a great opportunity to play, okay? Sign up. I want you to to pray this week, to thank God for his wondrous deeds, to tell someone about God's work in your life. We will find that the Spirit is already moving in recreation as we play and as we praise, in recreation in our own personal prayer and transformative spiritual formation and co-creation. As we join in with care for our community, as we advocate in the world, the Spirit is already blowing. It's already there. So may we go. And may we see if the walls begin to shake. May our lives be filled with this Spirit. I want to conclude today not by quoting a great theologian, but letting you hear directly from them. So I've got a video to close us out. What's the Holy Spirit? What's the role of the Holy Spirit? Well, we call it Holy Spirit, uh, the Lord and the life giver, according to the Nicene Creed. Uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, if you ask people when they last felt the Holy Spirit, they would say in church music or in a church, But if you ask them, when did you last feel the spirit of life? Then they say, the last morning when I stood up, I felt the spirit of life. And therefore I preferred to write a book, not on the Holy Spirit, but on the spirit of life. 
who gets in on that spirit. Where is it? How do you activate it? A pill? Do you take a pill? Pharmaceutical companies have it? Uh, you are typical American. <laughs> what can I do? Uh, don't do anything. Wait on the spirit, and the spirit will come. Uh, it's the wind. You cannot uh, order the wind to come. The wind comes and uh, let you touch with the wind of the spirit. Spirit, Holy Spirit, we wait for you. And like Jesus' followers there together waiting, come upon us. Breathe in us and stir us. Remind us of the gifts you have given us for your good work here on earth to love one another, to meet one another and each other's needs. We know that when we love one another, we are loved. When we care for one another, our needs are met. May your Spirit intercede and bind us together. And may we be open to the movement of your Spirit in the world, in our communities, and in our lives as you make all things new. Call us to the faithful work of your love. Help us to play. Make us new creations. Empower us to go and co-create. Thank you, Creator. Spirit of God. Wisdom among us. Giver of life. It is your breath in our lungs. May we pour out your praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.